This is Take Two. Is Take Two. You've been on the big shows, but I feel like they always ask you the same shit about like tattoos and all that. Yeah, I've been trying to steer away from that, like, because I did so much of that over the years. Um, When was that? When did you actually get like your little, not peak, but like tattoo identity, um, personality? Kind of, I suppose, like around 2010. Wow. Yeah, um, onwards. And then like... Uh, it kind of really escalated then in about 2015 and kind of became like the unofficial tattoo spokesperson. You did. But but like, did you do anything to become that or was it just the rise of social media? You, your face was tatted, like, talk. (laughs) Yeah, it was, yeah, I suppose. um, I mean, it was marketing myself and my business. You know, Uh. I was, I owned tattoo shops and, and piercing and stuff like that. And, that was that was my my life, and then I was doing like, um, <laughs> cringe to say, but kind of like alternative modeling stuff. Um, What's that? <laughs> it's just like modeling, but like you know, obviously because of the alternative <laughs> yeah, you were on look, the you know, magazines. yeah. Um, so I was with an agency in London, and um, so it was all kind of promotion through that, I and then see. I would use one thing to promote the other, and mm. uh, that's when all these companies started reaching out. Did me, it you know? did it help you out actually in that? like time dare I say look it's yeah it a did yeah definitely it. like drove loads of traffic to to my businesses and just you know raised the profile mm. a little bit um which led into you know me getting back into the acting and uh you know I started doing music videos and stuff like that so it's kind of just promoted everything and then I you know I have always drummed in bands so if I was doing something with my band I would use it to promote my shop and tattoos and so it's just kind of like a big circle of just building building for years so basically would you say tattoo your face and like you're marketable yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah or unmarketable <laughs> like it's like you're unmarketable but then like you niched yourself down nearly yeah kind of um yeah a little bit uh and then i then i i started saying no to a lot of these um yeah interviews that were primarily about tattoos because it became uh a negative connotation you know like a shock value to it and they wanted to they wanted to raise their numbers by making you out to be um, something that that. you weren't you know and there was a hidden agenda behind them or they would tell you one thing oh yeah it's going to be about this and you know it's all positive and then you get on the show and you're live on the show and they start trying to get a rise out of you or saying derogatory things and you know so that's why I just um I started saying no mm. to to a lot of them, you know. Fair enough. Um, weirdly enough, like obviously the first thing, like if people know you, the first thing that popped up in my mind was that Katie Hopkins interview. Yeah, yeah. Now, I also watched you or like you also then explained that she gave you a heads up beforehand. Mm. Don't know, like, was that true? Like, yeah, did she tell yeah. you like I get paid to be a bitch basically? Yeah, basically, yeah. She said that after the interview actually, but before okay. it... She was like, um, you know, she was lifting up my shirt. She was like, oh, my God, I love your tattoos. Yeah, she did say that. Yeah, like, (laughs) and she was like, oh, she was talking about um, she's best friends with Georgie Best, the footballer's son who's covered in tattoos and his tattoos are amazing. And and then just before we went out, um, yeah, she did say, she said, don't mind me, I get paid to be a bitch. And she Mm. did say that before we went out. At least fair play, like. Yeah, and then afterwards, (laughs) you know, there was big hugs and, you know, she was laughing and she was like, oh, you bastard, you call me out in the earrings and all this kind of stuff. And so she, on a face value, you Mm. know, 
um, she was fine. And as she says, she just like taught up stuff that would rile people up and get a reaction. That's what she gets paid for, you know. Yeah. Um, that was her whole agenda. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Because it's so interesting, right? Like I've been, like a common theme that I've been bringing up on this podcast is the sensationalism and like mm. the dishonesty. Obviously now, like, I feel like everyone yearly has accepted and admitted that television is not where you're going to go seek truth, dare yeah. I say. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's also transitioning to social media where it's nearly a poison, right? Where like certain things are not even certain things, but so many things are so fake or so dramatized. Mm -hmm. And I've been having a recent issue with like clips where someone takes a quote and like, like it goes overboard out of like out of context yeah. out of context and not just out of context but like people i feel like before they would tune into the segment like the 10 minute interview you and katie mm. hopkins i'm just using her as an example right but now it's just like they're taking that 30 seconds and mm -hmm. running with it as yeah. if it were just a title and i am like i've just been newly exposed to the dishonesty in that if mm -hmm. that makes sense where it's it has gotten slightly overwhelming where I'm not saying I had the same reaction as you but I have I I can feel that like uh, repulsion I don't know if that's a word but I'm just like no I don't want to I don't want to clip that yeah. I don't want to do that because it's gonna A I can't defend myself I can't defend the guest and it's gonna it, it's gonna do nothing yeah. literally like nothing positive is going to come out of it mm -hmm. what was it like for you when you started maybe even take me to the first time where you're like listen this television producer made it out to be a really big deal when in reality i'm getting fucked over i'm getting like stabbed on live television yeah well there was um one program in particular um fuck it, i'll just say the name it called body shockers um that was on on channel four and they were pestering me, I mean, hounding me to go on um, season one of it, but a lot of red flags from the conversations I had because it was body shockers and they were talking about the shocking things people do to their bodies and it was mm. definitely negative, like in my my mind. Um, but anyway, I turned that down and then same thing for season two, they were hounding me and then season three. And season three, I remember the conversations and I, I said the reason for it. I said, look, I've seen your show and it's exactly the image that we don't want to bring that you're pointing and laughing at people for being different basically you know mm. it's like oh my god it's so shocking um and they were like no 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 season three is completely different we're going at a different angle we're we're actually showing like the benefits and the health benefits and the mental and all this kind of stuff and i was like mm, yeah yeah and there must have been i don't know over 30 phone calls like you know wow. like hound and hound um, and then season three came out and it was the exact same as season one and season two. So just this is what they do. They will feed you and they will, you know, lie to you. And even with the Katie Hopkins thing, um, I'd already agreed to go on the show to speak about the, the general topic of tattoos. And then they rang me back and they were like, look, just to give you a heads up, like Katie Hopkins has agreed to come on the show. Are you OK with that? And I was like, who the hell is Katie Hopkins? Like, I don't know who the hell she was. I had to go Google her. And I was yeah. like, yeah, whatever. I, I don't care. Um, but you're right about, you know, the clips and the reels and the shock tactics. And it's marketing 101 where they're taking sensas sensationalized clip yeah. to get clicks, you know, to, to market it in the clicks. And they don't. Now, obviously, you are speaking from having a conscience, which is great. But a lot of these people don't. Yeah. So they're just using 
them mm-hmm. to get ahead and they don't really care the the consequences for yeah. that. I mean, that Katie Hopkins video brings the most amount of hate into my life even now from 2015. Um, I had like three death threats from them videos. I had like them. Now, I don't read comments anymore on any yeah. social media, uh, which is a good thing for my mental health because it's just, you know, you can't, which is unfortunate though because you don't get to see any of the positive and stuff. And also, you Katie know? wasn't that bad. Like she said so much worse yeah it, no but it was an attack on on me you know yeah. it was basically like, like she you was know, saying like you're unemployable and all that yeah, but, you know all the trolls then or your family should be ashamed of yourself and like do fucking you know all this kind of hate and mm. then like one of the death threats they sent me a pin drop to my home adre- address Fuck you off. know and uh it started getting really really heavy and and but yeah that that video in particular just still kind of follows me around and yeah, like a lot of trolls and hates and stuff like that yeah oh. so. would you say though that like do you think that it deserves that place in television like that negativity or even on social media this sensationalism these clips and the virality like do, I, I'm not saying like from a world perspective are we better off but like naturally I feel like people are just so polarized that even if we create a new medium it probably won't be successful without that polarization mm. it's it's almost like you know it's gone too far and this is the norm now yeah. and it, it's putting so much pressure on people to live up to the standards which aren't real or aren't true you know and anybody can make their life look great Um and for the most part, anybody on social media extenuates the good parts of their life. They're not going to show you the crap parts. Yeah. They're going to show you the good parts. And then, you know, your young impressionable people especially are looking at it and being like, well, why is my life like that? And, mm. you know, but it's not it's not the truth. But like, I mean, yeah, social media, because it's so to hand. But this has been done in the media for ages you know ages so it's just that it's readily available and like you said now because the attention span of people is literally 10 seconds they're using that 10 seconds to get yeah. the, the clickbait or ahead you know because like i've seen it from a ta- like a strategic strategic point of view right a clip can go absolutely viral now 500,000 views yeah. it's not it's barely increasing the podcast itself you mm. know what i mean yeah. like it's as if the engagement is staying on the platform now. Mm. It's not even increasing or like having people move along to somewhere else, which if we were to go back like five years ago was something similar to like articles on Facebook. People read the, the title, comment and move on. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And yeah. like you said, staying on the platform because I've had a, a video go viral 100 million. Wow. And, you know, I, you know, I was thinking my social media will be a hundred million and all that, but oh, yeah. it was it was going up on all these other platforms. At the start, the video started on mine, yeah. and then it was reshared, and I was being tagged, and I was getting you know loads mm. of followers, and I was like, "This is great, this is great." And as it went on and on and on and on, all of a sudden, all these companies are sharing it and not tagging me, and blocking me on some of them as well, you know. So like, I don't yes. sue them, and so and I've had a few different ones go viral like that but it is very true that it's these companies that are are marketing that and they know how much they can raise their own profile and Mm. then you kind of get left behind you know you just and would i say that because i know you mentioned that you pointed it out at me of like having a consciousness right Mm. but do you think that that strategy or being somewhat stubborn in 
you know what, I'm going to do this ethically. Mm-hmm. Is it going to benefit like a creator or a media spokesperson in just like, I'm not going to play the game or the dirty game that someone is playing? Like, in ten, will they be successful in 10 years time? See, like, well, I mean, for me, just in general in life, yeah. it's like, um, can you go to sleep at night with a clear conscience? You know, mm. it's like, it's a dog eat dog world. There are marketing people and business people that will chew you up and spit you out. Um, and that's their agenda. And I know a lot of them. Yeah. Um, it's rife in the film industry, as you know. Um, but for me, there is there's always two ways of doing things. Okay. And it's like we have a very short life on this planet. And it's like, how do you want to be perceived in in the bigger terms of your personality and what you brought to the world if it's all about money and you know climbing to the top and kicking people back down on, on the way down then that's then you know, do it that's you know. not for me there mm. is some people exactly. that will and they they will probably be very successful but yeah. at the end of the day is that the kind of life you want to you live not for me anyway that's yeah. it because uh, the topic of Katie, like as a person, like I've heard a lot of people actually say that she is nice behind the camera and all that. And even you just said that there. And it's like, I'm not saying it makes me sad. Like it doesn't emotionally impact me. It's her life. Right. But it's like the fact that someone makes a decision to be an asshole on mm. camera. It's like, obviously people are perceiving you this way and you can't expect people to be nuanced enough to like allow you that room how not even how are you sleeping at night but are you not scared of what's gonna happen of how Mm. people think of you like people are probably spitting on her when they see Mm. her yeah but then the latter people are sending death threats on her behalf as if she wants that yeah yeah like i i do think she is is playing some form of character you know yeah i I really don't think and a lot of people are you know it's not just her again that's her personality and and i mean she has a lot of um lovers and and followers because they love the you know the the stuff that you shouldn't say taboo or whatever but i mean you know her life as far as i know i mean she she lost her job as a journalist she Mm -hmm. she moved to spain she filed for bankruptcy you know so it catches in, up with in, you. It catches up with you, you know, whether you want to call it karma or, or whatever, whatever it is. Mm. Um, but I think that she got so far into the character and the shock tactics and she was getting such a reputation that she got in so far that she just kind of let mm. it go and build and build and build. And then you think, you know, the consequences for her family and stuff like that. Was she being selfish or is it a career move? Yeah. But, you know, um, we can only speculate. And it's probably the same people that encouraged her behind the scenes to be that mm. way yeah. were the ones that were like oh it's not politically correct anymore to say that yeah you know yeah. saws <laughs> like fuck off <laughs> yeah. politely you know like please and thank you you did your part now enjoy definitely and th- that's you know this is getting back to that <clears throat> do you think that that marketing team behind her are still interested in her they yeah. would have just dropped her and moved on to the next thing mm. you know so um yeah, it's kind of a, a catch twenty two when you when you get into that world. Oh, that's a fucking tough one, man. Mm. Like it, it's such a commitment. Like, and that's another thing that I wanted to talk to you about when, like, back fifteen years ago or, or when you started these like interviews, you were, you were introducing yourself as so many things, which is so exciting. And we, like, right now there seems to be a little bit of, 
like two roads that are presented to us. It's like you're either going to be a master of one or a jack of all trades. Mm. Master of one, if you get really good at something, and ideally you can, it's a service that helps rich people, mm. you're fucking good. You're yeah. set for life. And then the jack of all trades is with technology and all that that comes around like the more skills you have the more identities you have the better off you are mm. now 10 15 years ago you were saying i'm a tattoo artist i'm a piercer i'm a personal tra like jesus man like you were so many things yeah but like jack of all trades master of none <laughs> you uh, know but, but like, did you know, that fuck you over at well, that time or no i i'm jealous of people who have one thing you know mm. and if you look at like really successful and um, there's obviously a few exceptions but if you look at someone that's really really successful like michael jordan basketball that basketball Boom. basketball basketball yeah, niche. you know it's like they have an obsession they have a singular mind and they become amazing at it my problem i definitely feel later on in my life that um i had undiagnosed adhd because my yeah. mind is just like everywhere everywhere and i get bored so easy and um I have to be creative and I was always like, so I was a nightmare in school, like, you know, because I was always just, my mind was just so mm. creative, you know. And so I do hop around, uh, you know, a lot of mediums and stuff like that. And now that I've kind of come to terms with that and realized that <clears throat> I do sit myself down and I kind of say, right, Baz, we're fucking working on this today. <laughs> you know, forget about forget yeah. about this. It doesn't always work because it's just the way my mind is. Um, but if... If I'm interested in something, oh my God, I am locked into it. If I am any way not interested or bored, it's I am bad. gone. It's I'm bad. daydreaming. Yeah. I'm like out of the room, mm. you know, so, yeah. And would you take, now this is a question kind of like for me, but in that moment in time, if something wasn't working out for you that you thought you really wanted to do, let's keep it simple, personal trainer, I'm mm. going to be amazing. And then you start that and you're like, fuck me, man, this is boring as shit. Mm, that's what happened, you know? actually. Yeah. Did, did you like, <laughs> as in the personal trainer, like job itself, it's like everyone wants to be one. And it's mm. like, mate, all you have to do is fucking work at Fly Fit and you're going to get paid. Sweet. Fuck all. Yeah. Do a cycling class, though. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so would you like beat yourself up afterwards? Were you the type that would like dwell on here goes another passion of mine that turns out is not a passion like I was wrong? Yeah, I mean, um, I am in no shape or form egotistical, even though a lot of people from the perception of my social media might say I am. I'm not at all, but I am a perfectionist in a lot of things, right. you know. So if I commit my time to something, I see it through and I want to be the best at like, you know, just being medium at something for me. I just I can't I have to go all in. Um, so, yeah, with the personal training thing, like the reason that came about basically was, you know, I was I was teaching jujitsu. You know, I was training like six nights a week at jujitsu. I was on the European team and I was teaching in wow. three clubs and I was known as being the killer for the, the cardio sessions and the warm ups and all that. And um, so that's where it just kind of transpired then into the fitness world. And I went and I did it for two years, got my qualifications. But like I said, uh, working in a gym because I was going from having respect in a dojo and everybody fucking did what you said because that's you know the, the martial arts world to going into a gym and people coming back to you three months later being like i haven't lost any weight it's like yeah you've been here once mate <laughs> you know like <laughs> but can i go on steroids please <laughs> yeah yeah so it just frustrated me and i was bored and yeah so um i, mo I moved away from that but you know uh i have done a lot of things um 
which feeds into you know my my movie making and stuff like that because even as a director i would take a lot of my teaching from martial mm. arts into directing and you know so life experience is great in this industry but you know film and acting and all that is my main goal now and i've it's might have taken me a while to get there to realize it but that is first and foremost now mm. you know so and in that point in time, right, before you identified that filming and acting is going to be your thing, were you in a rush, dare I say, or were you at a little bit, like, were you not even desperate, but a bit scared, like, why have I not figured this out yet? No, not no, not really, um, because mm. I never really made like a definitive decision. And, wow. you know, with the whole acting thing, like I did theater when I was a kid. Um, but like I grew up in a town that if they found out you were doing theater, you get your head kicked in, yeah. you know, so I kept it hidden. And then the music came along and I was, you know, drumming for loads of bands. And and then, like I said, it kind of it got into the, the, the modeling side of it, um, which I I never I never pursued that. Um, because like I'm I'm really shy and quiet, you know, and my first few times in front of the camera, I was like a rabbit in the headlights. It was like terrifying. Um, and then I kind of developed a persona to get used to that. And through that, then I started getting asked to do music videos and then eventually like short films. So I kind of found my love mm. of the acting then. But like I love movies so much, like from when I was a little kid, like absolutely. That's my escape. And me with ADHD as a kid, the only thing that shut me up was watching a movie and I would be fixated on it. Um, but the thoughts of me ever being like able to like, get an acting job or make a movie was just absolutely not like not in the realms of mm. you know my thoughts at all so it kind of happened organically and then when it did happen uh, I wasn't I wasn't in a rush I was just grateful for anything that oh. I was getting to do because I loved it so much you know and would that moment in time have come after you were saying no to certain television opportunities if we were to like line it out a little bit yeah actually yeah interesting um, because uh, I felt like I was kind of spiting myself by mm. saying no to these things because it was such a great marketing tool. And, yeah. you know, my friends and stuff were like, are you crazy? Like, why wouldn't you do it? But I, I just felt um, like just wrong after doing it. And, you know, like I said, I kind of became the unofficial spokesperson for tattoos. And I was always about positivity and changing mindsets and stuff like that. Um, and then I just felt like I'd kind of said everything that I needed to say. I was just repeating myself. Oh, yeah. And I was trying to have conversations with somebody that you're never going to change their mind. And I was getting in a defensive position and I didn't want to have to justify myself all the time. That's what I felt. Yeah. That's what I feel like I have to do in my life every day. Yeah. I have to justify myself. And it's 20 minutes before you get to my real personality mm. because we have to go through all the, the tattoo yeah. bullshit, <laughs> like, you know. And, it, and I know literally, that. Literally, yeah, like yeah. every single interview you did was, did you regret it? Like, yeah. when was your first tattoo? Mm. It's like they have all the questions. Now, let's give a little bit of empathy to them. You're not. It's not every day that you're going to walk across or like shake hands with someone mm. that's fully tatted. For people that's listening, shocker, he's tatted. But anyways, um, but... 
it's so I think it's the protection of that identity where it's like I don't need to explain myself to yeah. you like I now this is going to sound so petty but when I first moved to Ireland it's like I hated people asking me where I, where I like, came from mm. you know because it's not like a common country I'm from Malta so then they're like Malta where is that what language do you speak how many people are there how small is it where is it mm. like I didn't know it existed all of them and I was just like fuck off (laughs) you know like move along my name (laughs) like do you want to know that (laughs) you know what I mean Um, I'm actually filming in Malta later on the year are (laughs) you go on lots of cranes over there lots of cranes (laughs) yeah 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 I'll give you (laughs) that's a good fact (laughs) yeah yeah. Um, I'll give you all the good spots make sure that you're driving around still okay Um, it's Uh, gonna be feckin hot when are you going I'll die I'll die when are you going Um, October Okay, that's fine. That's okay. fine. Usually yeah. it's like July, August time is where you go like, mm. our summer holidays were in Liverpool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah. So it's like we never went to another hot country after that. Yeah. But uh, besides like the tattoo stuff and all that kind of things, it's like obviously, I'm not saying you boxed yourself in, mm. but you did have to come to a point where you decided like, all right, this is who I'm going to be. Um, do they usually say that you're going to explain your ha- going to have to explain yourself? No, but with that, you obviously committed to your identity and yourself mm-hmm. in a way that usually a lot of people don't. Yeah, which is so interesting. Like, were you always just like, I'm like, like this is me, like fuck always. you, Jack. That's always. so cool. And it's not like a pretentious thing and all that. From yeah, when yeah, I was yeah, a kid, yeah. you were just, just like. I don't know whether it's just because I'm in my own world and, yeah. and just, I don't know. It's just like the the herd mentality, like the sheep mentality. Like for me, I, I, I struggle to understand it, but mm. I, I understand that that's society and, you know, you, you go with the norm and all that. But for me, like that's my worst nightmare. But on the flip side of that, and I've said this in a lot of interviews and it sounds so cringy and cliche and all that, but like I was I was an absolute like rebel in my teenage years. I was in so much fucking trouble uh, constantly in fights um, and it was all through frustration of not being able to express myself in some mm. shape shape or form and then um, the tattoos was like I never sought permission I never told anybody but I never set out to be like I'm going to be fucking heavily tattooed I was just really kind of of the mindset I, I just do what I want um, but and to this day I never did it to seek other people's approval or their opinions or you know, and people love to give it to you. They love but it. But I hate the attention it brings, which is yeah. completely contradicting to it. Like, I fucking hate it. Yeah, I you have, spoke that, about you know, that a yeah, lot of times. I really do. Like, I, yeah. I, I hate walking into a restaurant and everyone looking. I hate mm. making my family feel awkward if people are staring. And and I completely understand it's a natural reaction. And I completely understand that people want to ask about it and they want to talk about it in interviews and stuff like that. I understand that, but for me, it's like, it, it's, it doesn't define my personality, you know? Yeah, I had a friend that was also talking about their wardrobe. They dress like, they dress differently, let's put mm. it that way, more colorful, lots of makeup. It's lovely, it's beautiful. And they were also saying that although they dress like that, the moment that they leave the house, they're nervous, mm. you know? Like, they don't like the stairs, the like lads making fun of them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I I didn't pester them, but I was like, okay, let's dive into it. And the way they best explained it is that the moment that they dress 
normally, like a pair of jeans and a t-shirt, they don't feel cool. Like mm. they don't feel like themselves, it's, yeah, it's yeah. themselves, which is probably similar to if I were to dress like them, them that's the discomfort that I would feel. Mm. Yeah. And I'm assuming that like that's the best way that probably like you also mentioned that there was a point in time where like a friend of yours put makeup on you. Mm, yeah. And the moment that you looked at yourself in the mirror, you're like, fuck no, like mm. get this off of me. Which was reassuring because like yeah. if it had been the other reaction, I would have been like, oh, oh fuck, that, you know? that yeah. would have been a yeah, fucking yeah. bill like, and a half for you. Yeah, it was so weird. It was so weird. It was like a stranger yeah. uh, looking back at me because, you know, the number one question people say, oh, what, what about when you're 70 and, you know, regrets and all that kind of crap. And I would always say, you know, live for today. You could be hit by a bus tomorrow. Do whatever makes you mm. happy. But at the back of your mind, you do say, what would my life be like? If it wasn't, You'd if it didn't a look really like cool this, granny, you know, granny, like, that's what I that, that's an, uh, an answer I give. Um, but just to see the makeup cover the tattoos and to have that reaction that no, actually, I, mm. I don't like it. And yes, it does make my life difficult in a lot of areas, and I have to deal with life differently. And again, such a contradiction because like I have like really bad social anxiety, I have really bad anxiety in general. Um, so looking like this, going out with somebody that has I social think that's anxiety, super you know? cool though it's, it's like, like it's an even better talking point because it's nearly just like yeah this is me you know and I think it would be lovely if all of us take a page out of your book and like have a little bit of balls and do whatever the fuck we want to do when it comes to ourselves I think that's the issue it's like a lot of people tend to like project their insecurities nearly yeah. So it's like, oh, why are you dressed like that? Mate, why are you not dressed like that, yeah. for instance? Or wh why are you dressed like that? Yeah, uh, definitely. And like, you know, it reverts back to, you know, on your deathbed. Let's mm. be dramatic. But like, you know, you look back and those people that you were trying to appease by not being yourself that are going to walk by in the street and what maybe say something to you and you aren't dyeing your hair green even though you fucking really want to dye your hair green but what would people say what would they say what would they say like if you're living your life like that how sad like as a society as humans we judge aesthetically it's in our nature it's yeah. our defense mechanism that's what we do you know so um you're going to be judged by people aesthetically but to live suppressed like that and that you know, can be many factors to do with your sexuality or whatever it yeah. is. Um, but to live your life like that in fear of judgment of strangers, think about how ridiculous that is. To live your life in fear of what fucking strangers think of you. Mm. Who cares what strangers think <laughs> of you? You're never going to see them again. You know, yeah. it's like, when you think of it in those terms, it is absurd. Mm -hmm. But the practicality is that if you do something like that or you're heavily tattooed like that, you have to put up with strangers and abuse and people looking at you and trolls and, you know, this is the society that we unfortunately live in. So you have to weigh up mm -hmm. your happiness. But just, I would always say to people, don't live your life like that. You get one little short life and yeah. you're not fulfilling it, you know? And um, like I, I have a, f a friend of mine I worked with and he was 46, married with three children before he came out as gay because he was terrified of it. And he was like, I've wasted like, 20 years of my life not being who I am. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's like, it's sad. And some people never, they no. never get past that. So mm -hmm. I would say it takes a bit of courage, but be whoever makes you happy is. I think it's the first leap. And then slowly, slowly it gets slightly easier. And I think 
probably even for you, like the longer it went on that these tattoos were like properly in there, you know, like they weren't fresh anymore. It's just like this is like this is who I am. Like this is my skin, mm. you know, and uh, you feel slightly more confident because you get more confident in yourself because now you don't have anything to hide or to project. Um, when, uh, like, this is going to be a very interesting but very niche question. Did you always live in Ireland or did you ever move? Uh, I moved to California mm. when I was 19. Okay, so quite young. Because I heard, like, sometimes when I bump into, like, 30 or 40-year-olds that are Irish, that are based in London or something, it, strangely enough, even in Dublin, they say that, like, they were, like, punk rockers when they were mm. younger. Yeah. And they couldn't deal, like, they got so, so angry and super pissed off at, like, people making fun of them as they walked along the road that they were like, you know what, fuck this country. I'm out, I'm leaving, I'm moving to London. I moved to Camden, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Camden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's always the same thing. Like, yeah. for you, I'm guessing you weren't that punk rock at that time, you know, to move to California? Uh, I, w I was, yeah. yeah. Oh, did you? I, I was... Um, you were already early on with, like... I, uh, early on, I was always a punk kid. Um, wow. I mean, I grew up, my cousin was always in bands, and I, I that's where I learned to drum. I've been drumming since I was five. I was just, like, always a punk rock kid, and... You know, today, and even you were like, oh, you're in a tracksuit. If 15-year-old me saw me now in a tracksuit, they'd be like, what the fuck? Because, uh, no, I was, I always dressed like a punk. I always had my hair dyed bright colours. Um, and it was kind of, you know, a juxtaposition as regards, like I said, I was always in fights and I could always handle myself. I've been doing martial oh. arts since I was a kid and all that side of it. But at the same time, I was this punk rocker, you know, so that would lead to me getting into so many fights because I would never put up with that shit you know so I just imagine you like headlocking a bunch of people in a mosh pit just yeah. like don't fucking try it yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I was a bit fucking mad it's like my nickname growing up was psycho like because no I was way. I just like that. I was I was nuts um so I've calmed down a lot so angry. but uh, yeah I was always a, a punk rock kid and it was the same you know you would get a lot of shit for mm. You know, dressing like that and looking like that, and uh, I know loads of people who moved to to London as well. But yeah, I moved to California, and then I moved to London. I lived in Amsterdam for a while, and and then eventually came back to Dublin. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, that's cool. Also, I, I have no idea how the fuck we got here, but uh, I remember that I asked you about the fact that your filming and acting job came after you started saying no, and that's something that I've like reflected on a little bit when it came to like my career is that. I felt the saddest when I was saying yes to jobs and opportunities out of sheer desperation. Mm, yeah. And it was just like the desperation of like, oh, maybe this will be the next thing. This will be the next thing mm -hmm. or this will put me there. Right. And I'm sure you can relate. But as a creative person where there are certain opportunities that you do have to kind of not even wait around. Yeah. Um, you do have to take action, but it does depend a lot on like what the fucking higher ups like have to say, you know, mm, Yeah. unless you want to go a completely dif different route. But you, st you started saying no, then this opportunity comes along for you to start acting and filming and you get your passion. Right. And then you go, all right, we're going to do this filmmaker thing. We're going to do this like acting gig. Did you expect the independent creative route to be as complex as you thought it would be 
Um, yeah, I did mm. uh, because I would I I I know a lot of independent <laughs> filmmakers and um, because I'm obsessed with it. I you know I would deep dive on so many YouTube videos and all the research and and listening to interviews with even directors who are famous directors now. The struggle of how they started and stuff like that. But I mean, it's it's nowhere near as unachievable as say the Hollywood days. You know where it was literally just either you make a movie in Hollywood or you just don't make a movie, you know. Mm. Now it has changed so much that cameras and, you know, social media is so accessible that pretty much anybody can go and make a film to a certain extent, you know. Yeah. But you can. Whereas back in the day, it was it was Hollywood cinema. That was it, you know. Um. So, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I did know how tough it would be, especially getting into making the feature film like so you know i'd done shorts before and i'd been in the industry a long time like i was under no illusion how difficult it is and i've seen so many people broken broken by it and but just getting back to your point there on the as an artist and feeling unfulfilled uh like last year i kind of went back on my um artistic you know integrity i suppose you would call it because we'd come out of covid and lockdown and there was fuck all going on and i kind of um say not out of desperation but a form of desperation whereas i wanted to be back on set and i just wanted to be doing it and i said yes to projects that i would have previously have said no because i would just had a good idea that it wasn't Mm. really you know the right fit or whatever and I regretted it. I did like, and I, yeah. you know, I don't regret much, but there's a few things that I did and I was like, you know, I shouldn't have done it. And then, you know, I'll probably get canceled for this, but even I started saying no to certain commercial auditions, even though commercials are where the money is and I'm in no shape or form in a position to say no. But at the same time, I was doing them and, you know, you'd be doing a self-tape at home and they'd be asking you to do all this zany stuff. And afterwards, I felt dirty. I felt like it was like dance, monkey, dance. You mm. fucking dance for us and we'll see if we like you enough. And for me as an artist or as a human being, I actually felt like afterwards, I would actually feel like, like, what what was that? You know, mm. and I, I had to put my foot down and start saying no to these things if I wasn't comfortable with them because it's not me, you know. And yeah. I know as an actor, you're not you and all this kind of stuff. But just on your point of that, you know, um, it is true that you can get to a point. But this year I've kind of been like a bit stricter (laughs) again, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And did that hurt you, like saying no to that sort of stuff? Because like, it's so true. Like I've seen, I've seen these auditions before. I've seen all of that. If you're not getting fucking Leonardo DiCaprio big bucks, right? And even sometimes with that sort of stuff, it's like, you're being told to do such weird shit mm. and promote stuff that you wouldn't promote. You obviously are more recognizable. It's not like it's not like me doing an ad, right? For Dove, they're gonna be like, "Ooh, cool brunette," you know, move along. Um, it's how do I explain it? Like, did you have to go? All right, we're gonna have to like pull back on money this year, <laughs> this month. Or were you okay, like, in that regard? Does the acting just fuel you, like, from a passion perspective? Yeah, and again, like, it sounds so poncy, but it's like, there's a lot to be said for artistic integrity. And, and then, because you're, you're doing these things and you're like, okay, why am I doing this? I'm mm. doing it for the money. Okay. And it's then like, well, no, I'm not doing this for the fucking money. Like, and I'm not. I'm, I'm doing this because this is me. This is my passion. I love it. 
And I'm not just saying that. And obviously the money is great. Everybody needs to make money. Fact. But I have other means of making money in the meantime. So yeah. if I'm dancing around my room pretending to be an alien from another planet and talking to imaginary people and teaching them how to dance, yeah. which is, you know, one Was of the that sides. Something? It's one of the things I said no to. <laughs> it's like... I'm 40. I'm almost 40. I don't need to be doing that shit, you know, oh, for stop. a couple of grand. It's just like, so. An alien teaching people how to dance. Yeah, you, you're a visiting alien and you want to show the people <laughs> of Ireland how your people dance. And, and I was just like, no, man, no, I'm 40. I'm not oh, doing that. Oh, for fuck's you know? sake. So like, that's just, you know, an example. And I, it's not like I'm saying no to all these things, but... <laughs> At the same time, because I'd done like two or three in a row. Okay. Not the same as that, but like, yeah. st- you know, stupid stuff. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no, no, you just, but there is power in no. Yes. And sometimes no's open up so many opportunities that you wouldn't yeah. have had with a yes, you know, and it's easy to, to say that because you're like, oh yeah, I I said no to that because there's mm. power in it. But there is power in no and mm. um, people can respect you for saying no and you know, and and the likes of again, I'm not, you know, not, I, I've just ostracized myself from any commercial work I was going <laughs> to get. But like, you know, they're a lot of the time it's businessmen in suits and they're sitting around a table and they have no artistic. They are oh primarily, God. you know, uh, an analytical business brain. They're not in the artist world. And you're like, Do you know, it'd be great. You know, and it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And they, they think that this is a, this is going to be amazing. And, you know, as an artist, this is going to be shit. <laughs> and my face is going to be attached <laughs> like to this. Literally, you know? your face yeah. is going to be. And it will follow you. Eh? Oh, it never goes away. Like, it never Completely. Goes away. I remember when Shang-Chi came out and then they brought like some people found stock photos of the main actor, put it up on Twitter, millions is just like this you man <laughs> and like there he is just like a hungry actor <laughs> smiling in stock photos yeah, yeah. and you're like fuck yeah you know like it's it follows you also i am so curious about you being an alien teaching people <laughs> i should have i should have went like, for it <laughs> what the fuck is that? no that would be gas though yeah um, um <laughs> no thank you <laughs> no um, um but something interesting that you said about like power in saying no I think that's really true because there was a point in time when when I was saying yes to everything, the chance I was increasing my chances every time of being fucked over time and time again. Because mm-hmm. then, because then I looked easy, yeah, nearly yeah. as in not even like easy to manipulate, but it's like. Um, oh, Debbie says yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Debbie Debbie does it for cheap as yeah. well, you know, like she's desperate yeah. and. Then it fucked me over as well. This is just like learning and experience. So like I'm not beating myself up over it. But then I would burst. Mm. I'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. And it's a harsh no. And I was burning bridges like no other man. I had that fucking Tesla flame just like, fuck you, fuck this, fuck everyone. Which screwed me over. But it, it didn't in a way because I was getting rid of the people that didn't like Serve where yeah, yeah, yeah exactly they weren't serving me yeah. they were just like paying very little mm-hmm. but that power in saying no is just so good and it's such like a balance because you don't want to be difficult either yeah and yeah no that's exactly that's true and and it's kind of it is a scary thing as well 
Um, and, you know, obviously you love what you do. I love what I do and I desperately want to do it. But mm. if if you know that it's not for the right reasons, reasons. you know that it's it's the decision has to be made to say no. Like I, I have a, a, an actor friend of mine, lovely guy, and literally says yes to everything and is like just in everything. And like you said, it's just become a, ah, oh, sure, they'll do it for free. Ah, oh, sure, we'll just ring them. Oh, they'll do we say hop and they say how high, you know, mm. it, it becomes, so then it becomes a thing about, like you said, um, respect and it's, it's look, it goes back to the whole dating, you know, if you're dating somebody, it's like nobody likes anybody who's too needy, mm. you know, it's off-putting. Yeah. So, and they say that about walking into an audition, if they sense that you fucking need this job, it's the most off-putting thing. It's, it's in general, it's an off-putting uh, factor in, in humans you know if somebody's really needy and clingy well for me it is I'm like <laughs> get, get the fuck away from me someone listening to this is like fucking what the fuck are you on about me yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I need attention I need attention <laughs> give it to me um, no but just you know in that so if and it is a balancing act and it's not like an ego play or anything like that but if you genuinely feel mm. like it's not a good thing and you, you say no and that in the long run it'll be better for you and your career yeah yeah random but would you be able to try and define like what a gut feeling is for you i've been trying to like define it myself and i've been struggling a lot the closest i got to defining gut feeling for me is when i'm in the shower and like the intuition of just like washing my body like that gut feeling is sort of like it where it's like Am I am I okay with doing this naturally? Am I naturally inclined? Yeah. Don't know about you. Yeah. Um <laughs> all my best ideas come to me in the shower, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like but um yeah, it's like I I'll have a feeling and it's actually for me like it's like a physical feeling in my mm. stomach. Like when I think about it and I know it's not right, I'll get that like wave of mm. nausea. You know, yeah. I'll be like I know it's not right. And then I start, you know, having an internal dialogue of the pros and the cons and, you know, um, and then, you know, sometimes if you're in a position where you feel like it's not right, but you should do it because of this, then, you know, you're not in the right place. You know, it's like trepidation. But uh, yeah, for me, it'd be kind of like a physical feeling that I know, Mm -hmm. I know it's not right. Um, And I have become better at approaching it and, you know, being honest and just yeah. saying no and not bullshitting people as well because you'll always get found out, you know. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, uh, in fairness, I, I not to toot my own horn, but like the Mediterranean side of things does help me out with the bullshit tolerance. Like, I can't lie to fucking save myself. Like, okay, yeah. um, that's why I'm a bad sa- salesperson too. I'm just mm. like, <laughs> can't do it, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is r- like, you are right that... Uh, that like nausea or then the moment that if you did say yes and something starts going wrong, like the mm. d- you feel drained, yeah. like it yeah. just like pulls it out of you. And something that I also really struggled with that I know that some people do as well is they they wake up in the morning, su- like it's super easy to just like, okay, work needs me, someone needs me, I'm up, mm. you know, I'm doing it. But then the things that I want to do for myself, 
get pushed aside, you know? Yeah. And it's like, fuck me, man. Where was all that discipline when I wanted to do something? Yeah. You yeah. know? Don't know if you can relate to that. Yeah, no. It, like, it swings both ways, you know? Mm. And, um, yeah, I think, like, again, getting back to, you know, society and how, how it molds you um, of what, what needs to be done. And then if you just step back and just look at the bigger picture that we are, you know, a piece of rock hurtling through space. Yeah, meat suits. You know, yeah, yeah like just how how ridiculous it all is, yeah. you know. And sometimes I actually visually, I know it sounds trippy, but like I will picture myself like <laughs> looking down on Earth in space, yeah. you know, and just it rolling around. And just like, because we get caught up in so many emotions and we, we as humans, we go tr- through so much shit and pain and heartache and, you know, um, it's kind of become conditioned that that is the way you are mm. as a humans, whether it's controlled, you know, through governments or society or whatever you want to call it. But sometimes if you can just step back and look about what what I need or, you know, what's going to make my life happy or why am I putting myself through this misery mm. when it's so easily fixed and and some people are so afraid then, you know, to make a change and they never do and they, they remain miserable but at the end of the day, you've survived this long. You're going to survive, you know. Yeah. Money always finds a way. People are so obsessed and worried about money. How did you get to the age you're at? And you're, you're okay. Like, you're going to be okay, you know, and it's scary. And um, so that's the way I look at life, you know. Mm. If something comes along, it doesn't feel right or I'm committing something and it's not doing it for me as as crazy as it me. Like, when I closed my last tattoo and piercing shop, like, People literally told me that I was crazy. I was like, how? Like, it was a gold mine. There was queues out the door every day. It was one of the busiest shops in Ireland. I'd built a brand up so big. And, you know, me with my piercing, I was doing stuff that nobody else was doing, all this kind of stuff. But on the flip side, none of them saw that I was on the verge of a mental breakdown. None of them saw that I was miserable because I was having to say no to doing acting jobs and the stuff that I, my passion had organically grown to that was my priority uh, nobody knew that I would like nearly be getting sick with the anxiety in the morning from the stress of of owning the shop and all they saw was like you're fucking crazy you know yeah. uh, I was burnt out like even when I closed the shop it took me about six months like just to recover from it um, but I made that decision and that change and it was the scariest thing because it was such a source of income it was a safety blanket safety blanket and it was you know, I'd built it up and um, yeah, I, I let it go and it was the best thing. It was the best thing I ever did. And I did question myself for those three or four months. I was like, what the fuck did I do? Like, why why did I close it? Because I was feeling a little bit better then. You know, I'd mm-hmm. had a bit of respite and I was like, did I do the right thing? But I swear to God, like it was it was just, it was the best thing I ever did. I don't know, I don't make as much money. Yeah. But I'm fucking 20 times happier than I was. So yeah. that's the payoff. Yeah. That's it. It's like, I think a lot of us tend to make these decisions the moment that our back is against the wall. Yeah. Like we, and we place ourselves sometimes in that position, right? Mm. It's like the moment that you come, not even to terms, but the moment that you realize that like, oi, I am deciding Mm. to like uh, keep that shop open. I am deciding to walk my ass to this, right? And again, completely, People need money, like the crisis and all that kind of stuff. But there is always that choice to potentially improve your situation just a little bit. You know, it's not like everyone like 
people are encouraged to just like quit their jobs willy-nilly today and like that's it like <laughs> live and let live you're gonna yeah. have to fucking work for it shocker but uh yeah it's it's about recognizing where that comfort zone is and then like pushing yourself out of it yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's you know again we define success mm. as you know how many pieces of paper you have which is money you know a currency that's how we built our society you know yeah and and people become fixated on it that they spend their whole lives chasing money trying to get money not having enough money you know it's yeah. like money 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 and then sometimes unfortunately it gets to you know they're 85 and they realize the most important thing was their family yeah having fun you know making now again it's very easy to say that and it sounds lovely but the reality is yes we do need the money that's the society we had but if you can just find a way of of making the money and not compromising your values and finding a way or finding something that you're passionate about and making money through that that that's mm -hmm. the key to life and not being a worker and miserable and being you know controlled because <laughs> without getting like two conspiracy theories like that is what the society and government want they want worker ants they want to put you in your place and all that if they didn't then why in schools and all, why don't they teach you about how to get a mortgage why don't they teach you how to be an entrepreneur you know it's so repressed and it's it's there for a reason because they want you in your box paying your taxes obeying the law bringing money back to the country like that's that, that's why it's so expensive know. to run a small business yeah like you know what i mean like yeah. it's so hard to get things up and running and doing like the fucking hurdles that you oh, have to go crazy. through yeah even like i've heard of people that even just have a little like e-commerce shop you know like t-shirts mm. it's like lads it's just t-shirts let yeah. them be yeah you know yeah and that's very true because like a prime example of that is during the recession and you know I had I had two tattoo shops at the time, and during the recession, everybody was struggling. And um, but the the retail parks, they made them all exempt from paying rates during the um, oh. the recession. Whereas the small businesses, they were hounding, hounding like for money, 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 money. They wanted more money, but yet the big conglomerate millionaire mm. companies were exempt from it. So there you go. That was just prime example. Like they really don't want. Th this is true. They really don't want small businesses mm. they want the big conglomerates that are bringing the millions in as if they never started small as well yeah, you know like yeah. obviously there are those one-off chances but like if amazon were to come here you know mm. very different story amazon 20 years ago you know just jeff bezos by himself mm. fucking selling books yeah yeah come on yeah, I like I know it sounds conspiracy theory, but it is. It's I just, don't think know. it's conspiracy theory. Like uh, I think to tap into conspiracy theory, we're gonna have to talk about aliens dancing. Yeah, dancing. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> which I would love to have <laughs> like a conversation about. But n no, as in these to topics are not spoken about, or when they are, they're always entertained in a very like different way, where it's like these people are the enemy they want us to be puppets and all that kind of shit and it's like they're there for a reason it's just why are we not progressing mm. why are we not doing certain things especially because the society that we're like in 2023 the model is not benefiting us it's not working because the way they created it was for factory workers yeah yeah and it worked at the time, mm. but like 
lo and behold, factory workers are being replaced. Factories are being shut down. Why are we not having these proper conversations where we can expand what we learned on a little bit and fucking move forward and improve? And it's not just for Ireland. I think like from what we're exposed to in the West in general, it's really unfortunate that certain things are just not revisited because they benefited the select few. Yeah, it's the rich get rich and the poor exactly. get poor. You know? Exactly, exactly. So. And it's just like, it's... you. I feel like they, they don't know how bad it's going to get. Yeah. Because people are getting so angry. Mm. They're so angry, like... We've seen the, uh, even like the Ireland is full and all that kind of stuff, you know, like they're fucking setting people's homes on fire, man. Mm. And this is, and this is them saying we're angry at the government, yet this is what they're doing, you know, because people are turning onto each other or the people, or they're punching down. Yeah. They're not punching up anymore. No. And that's uh, the scary thing. It's, yeah, it's creating massive divides and, um, yeah, there's so much of that. And again, you know, social me- media is fueling that oh big time, um, playing each other off each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but then there's distraction tactics that, you know, the media use and the media is all controlled by the government. And, <laughs> you know, like they have to clear stuff with them to say, yeah. yeah, you can say this, you know, you can't say that. And, you know, there's all this stuff that we will never know about. We It's all behind closed doors. We'll never mm. know about. So when you get it back to the perspective of your own life, it's kind of making sure that you're aware of the structural society that has been set up for you mm. and not being afraid to break out from the mold of it. If that's what makes you happy. Look, there's there's I said this before as well. There's there's lots of people that love the nine to five structure. They work Monday to Friday, get their paycheck. They know they have their weekends off and they're fine with that. I know loads of people like that. Uh, For me, it's my worst nightmare. Like I I couldn't do it, but everybody is different. And I'm not like I'm not saying negatively about it, but it's just to be aware of it and that, you know, not to define your life by it, that when you know, you get to a certain age and you look back and you're like, why, why did I live my life like that? Yeah. You know, when, cause that's what I, they, they, they told me if I live my life like that, I was going to be safe. And, mm-hmm. you know, my dad got screwed out of his pension after working 43 years wow. for a company. He gave us 43 years. My, my uncle was a fireman. Same thing. He was promised, uh, you know, a certain pension and same with that. And then the recession came and those companies went under and there was no protection. And, you know, so, it's 43 years staying in the lines working their asses off and then they're told fuck you you yeah. know um, so there's no guarantees in life I know that anyway but it's just um, to, you know don't live your life to make a company rich off the compromise of your own mental health you that's know? it yeah. that's it uh, the issue with the 9 to 5 for certain people is when that 9 to 5 becomes 8 to 10pm yeah Monday to Friday or when that nine to five is just like I come back home and I do nothing, you yeah. know. Well, there's a great documentary. I can't think of the name of it. It was a brilliant documentary. And basically, um, even the marketing behind, you know, Amazon and all these big companies, uh, people who work nine to five, that they market at a certain time that on a Friday evening, they will market certain stuff mm. depending on their algorithms because they feel like if they treat themselves to that watch, over the weekend then the misery that they're after facing for those five days in work 
is worth it because they, they've got their paycheck, they're making money, I'm going to buy this, it's going to make me really happy. And then Monday morning, what happens? They're fucking miserable again. Mm. And then they wait until Friday again. Okay, what am I going to buy myself to cheer, me, cheer myself up? this week and they live their life like that so products become a replacement for happiness you know Literally. it's like a vicious cycle but whatever oh, that documentary 100%. was it was the psychology of the marketers and what they do and how they follow you around and they know your working hours and all that yeah. oh, it's, it's scary you know yeah. oh I completely believe that and also like that's an interesting realisation as well where through pursuing my passion I assume as well with yours it's like you also learn the way people think like the moment that you take a step back, you go, it's simpler than mm. like, it's quite simple, you know, like our brains are like, we're very simple people. Yeah. And that, when that happened, I was like, shit, man, like, why am I overcomplicating certain things so mm. much? It's like, it's not that deep. It's not life or death. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. No, I think it's true. Um, I think we're overwhelmed and bombarded mm. by so much yeah. crap. You know, and, and choices, choices and, and stuff just rammed through your throat, and it's it's so hard to get away from it, you know. So if you can find an escape, yeah. and that's like for me, you know, movies are my escape, and yeah. and acting, and like that's my escape. So that's my happy yeah. happy place. Um, but yeah, if you can take a moment, whether that's meditation or or just getting out to a field and sitting in a fucking field for yeah. half an hour and reading a book, you know, uh -huh. it's like some people just feel so trapped that they can't do it and they put limitations on themselves that aren't mm. actually there, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I know so many people like that. And it's and sometimes you'll say it to them and go, you know, they'll be so stressed about something and all that. And I would say, listen, man, why don't you, there's a lake down there by your house. Just go down, just sit yeah. with your own thoughts and oh I can't, I can't do that I'm too busy I'm too yeah, busy like, you people know can't like, be alone <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah can't yeah, be alone yeah, yeah. with your own thoughts or, yeah. where like did anything help you in particular was it meditation was it just going out in nature or um, definitely not meditation it's weird meditation stresses me out I think because like I, I know it's the opposite of what's meant to happen because I'm so anxious and we in a lot of the acting classes and that they do a lot of that yeah. stuff and it drives me crazy. Like my heart starts like pounding yeah. and, and I'm meant to be I hate it when people me. ask me to close my eyes in public. I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, like it's like, a danger, like, you, a danger no. thing, you know. <laughs> um, no, but I mean like, you know, drumming was always like, my, you know, mm. music, uh, just listening to music. And, you know, I try to go to the gym every day. Um, and then like movies, you know, mm. I'm still obsessed with, with movies and uh, reading I love driving and yeah so this, it's uh, like uh, the quiet in action you really like repetitive action yeah uh, I like being alone mm. I'm really anti-social like really yeah. like I'm I'm happy I'm one of those people that like I'm not it doesn't bother me yeah. if I'm alone I'm, I'm like do you want to go for a pint and I'm like no yeah I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm terrible like that you know <laughs> yeah, like, unless I'm playing a gig with my band <laughs> or something I just avoid <laughs> people as much as I can I yeah. love animals um, but yeah, like I, I, sometimes it worries me how comfortable I am being alone. Oh, that you know? used to scare me so much. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And uh, and I need to be alone as well. Mm. If I'm constantly surrounded by people, I, I can't deal with it. Like I need mm -hmm. to just fuck off. But I'm that person that if we are like in a pub on a night out, I am that horrible person. I'll just disappear. I won't say goodbye to anyone. I just I just go. Some of it's social anxiety and some of it's just like, if I decide to go, I'll just fucking go. <laughs> like, you know, it's really rude. But <laughs> no, I'm no, just no. Like <laughs> Completely same. Like for me, it's like if I'm in a bad mood, like not even bad mood, but like, I don't need to be here anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't tell me stay and all that shit or mm. else 
I'll tell you to fuck off. You yeah, know? So. it's funny. Yeah, because I'd be like, sometimes I'd be there, I'd be happy. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? I don't want to be here. I want to be at yeah. home on my couch. You know? Speaking of which. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Just walk off. out. Yeah, exactly. Like I walk out of my own podcast. It's fucking gas. Um, but yeah, no, I completely agree. I just fucking... Uh, sometimes you just don't want to be with people. <laughs> yeah, but and yeah. I mean, you know, we, we are a pack herd mentality mm. and we, you know, we are drawn to to being around people. But um, yeah, I think it's like a safety net for a lot of people. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I said about needy people, but I do. I, I have friends that are so needy that they can't be alone. They have to be like, I remember when I lived in Dublin, I lived with one, one friend in particular and Jesus Christ, like yeah. even just to go to bed was a struggle. He'd be like, no, no, stay up, stay up, stay with me, stay with me. Oh, will you come to the shop with me? Like he couldn't oh, do no. anything on his own. I was like, oh, get away from Where me. are you based now? Uh, I live in Black Rock in Dundalk. Oh, nice. Um, so it's out by the sea. and Oh, uh, yeah. Dundalk um, is lovely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a gorgeous one. Um, yeah, so it's nice. Side. It's nice out there. Yeah. Yeah, I I always said that like if I do stay in Ireland, it has to be the east coast. Like I need to be. Oh on really? The side where no, shit is go with the west coast. Oh man, I went to fucking. <laughs> I lived. In, <laughs> yeah, Galway <laughs> yeah. girl over there. I lived in Galway for two years, and like. I, I didn't enjoy it too much, but I think it's also like the time in my life and stuff. Okay. I heard good things about Cork, obviously, Cork. West Cork. Cork Galway, but Mayo, like there's something yeah. about being, I'm not saying about being in Dublin, but like everything happens here. And it's like considering that I left a fucking piece of like sand in the middle of the Mediterranean, you know, for something good to happen. I feel like I'm shooting myself in the foot by leaving everything that happens here like i'd need to be on the east coast i need the sea okay i yeah. need it yeah but uh yeah like like what's she gonna do in cork i <laughs> <laughs> can do in cork i've actually done my last three films in cork i'll have did you know. yeah did you do yeah. dublin crust in cork as i didn't well? no 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 <laughs> um but yeah i mean the east coast has has some nice places and you know up where I live like uh, Carlingford and Ravensdale and places mm. like that with mountains are all lovely um, but I do like being out by the sea and I love surfing you know we go to Bundorn quite a bit for surfing and stuff like that um, but you know even you know you, you're talking about the, the need to be here you know it's like <laughs> yeah. the fear of missing out and yeah. you know like stuff like that so I, and I understand that and I lived in Dublin for six years you know um, and I'm only like an hour and a half drive yeah exactly from Dublin which is which is fine but I would never live in Dublin again mm. like Dublin City I, I, I couldn't handle w- it you know? when was it like you know what I've had enough of this Um, yeah it was like <laughs> so basically I I I worked in a Pearson shop in Temple Bar for like five years and then that went under. Mm. It was like an English company owned it. And then I set up my own first shop in a tattoo shop okay. here. Uh, and that shop was wild. Like I I knew the guys for, for a long time um, and they set up their own shop and oh my God, there was, there was <laughs> guns coming through the shop. There was drugs, there was it oh. was it was crazy like like the was, owners themselves are like yeah, in, yeah. yeah it was just it was crazy and um i was living in a shit apartment it was horrible and uh going into work every day was constantly in fights with um just like fucking scumbags and you'd be waiting for the comments and all that kind of stuff but like i was i was miserable and i was stressed i didn't realize how stressed i was and 
without getting like too like airy fairy about it, whatever. But because I was stressed, one of my friends recommended, you know, reading that book, The Secret. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> so just manifestation kind of yeah. stuff, you know. Now, I'm not that kind of person. And I was very reluctant. And I was like, well, but I was like, fuck it. I'll just read it. You know? <laughs> I'm desperate. So, yeah. So I read it. But I was doing the, you know, the, the mantra thing where you pick three things you want to change yeah. about your life and all that. So I just said, fuck it. Like, I'll do it. And I spent the two weeks in the mirror every morning, you know, saying the three things. And it was basically that I wanted um, uh, to be in a different shop. Uh, I wanted a new car because my car was fucking acting up and uh, I didn't want to live in Dublin anymore, right? And then I was doing that, whatever, and then just didn't think anything of it, completely forgot, whatever, and then life just over the next couple of weeks, just things transpired. But I did make the decision to uh, get get out of that shop and get the fuck out of Dublin. Mm -hmm. And um, I went back home to the parents for a while. And then I got an apartment in Drada and... It was like I was in the apartment for a few weeks. Sorry, this is like a long story. But it was just one morning. I just I just woke up and I was in the mirror and I was like the f- the three things like the moving from Dublin. I just gotten a new car. Oh, and OK. I, and I just opened. I thought you were going to say that shop. you won the lotto for a fucking car or something. <laughs> no, 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 I was no, like, what the no, fuck, no, man? It wasn't, not that kind Watch of story. Watch me in the know? mirror. <laughs> yeah. So whether you put it down to yeah. the manifestation or just you know, I made a subconsciously yeah. I think it's more know, just like know. setting... Setting yourself, uh, you yeah, know, like the goals. Uh, but I was just like, oh, fuck. Because mm. without realising that, I was like, oh, those three things I've completely, in four weeks, I completely like turned yeah. my whole life around. And I was way That's happier, so cool, you know? so, exactly. Sorry, that was a long-winded answer. Yeah, but. no, I love that <laughs> shit. I love long-winded everything. <laughs> but it's so true. It's like a lot of the times, like when we are in that rut, it's like we're just like blindly shooting stuff. Yeah. And the moment that like you do sit down with yourself, whether it is these mantras or journaling or even just like thinking about it, it's like your eyes are a little bit open. Like you can aim (laughs) a little bit better. It's Mm -hmm. not always going to get like you're not always going to hit the target. Yeah. But fuck me, man, you're looking at something, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of the times it's like we do have that blindfold and Mm -hmm. we're just like fucking walking around in the dark, you know? Yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit about Dublin Crest yeah. after after the fact that like you bought yourself a car rather than like winning it. Yeah, yeah I was sorry, so disappointed. Excited. <laughs> I was so disappointed with that. Like <laughs> if you watch it back, I don't know if I was like in the screen, but like you could see a little smirk Smile. on my I'm like, keep going, tell me about it. Um so is there much you can talk about Dublin Crest or like what's the crack? Yeah, I mean I'm excited to watch it. Good. <laughs> yeah, so like, I mean, Dublin Cross is like my debut feature film that I, I made. And I'd done like six shorts um, before that. Uh, and again, even when I was acting and stuff like that, never thought that I would get into the filmmaking side of it. And it was when um, I went back to Bow Street Acting Academy. I think I was talking to you about this already. Um, and they were encouraging you to write your own stuff. And I'd already written a book and I put the book out um, and then started writing scenes for classmates and myself. And through that, then I wrote like my, sh- my first short film. Um, and even at that stage, I was like, you know, can I actually do this? And, you know, it was having to fight with, mm. with yourself, you know, can a I actually go and make a film? You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I went out and learned a lot in my first one and, you know, went, went from there. And then basically with Dublin Crust, uh, it actually, it started out as uh, a short film and I entered it into the actor as creator scheme that's uh, Screen Ireland and Bow Street and it got rejected. And I was just like, kind of throwing my toys out of the pram being like, fuck this. 
um, and I wasn't going to make it. And then it was my wife that was like, because it's about a punk band and and based loosely on a band that I was with for eight years. She was like, no, like, this is your story. Like, this is you mm-hmm. have to make this your feature film because it is it's your life. Big, and, you yeah. know, they write about what you know and stuff like that. So I went back and, and rewrote it. Uh, so the short script is very different than the feature film. Mm. Um, and just kind of started on the road to it. And I knew it was going to be a long road. And um, How long has it been? How long has it been? Um, so it's actually, we shot it March last year. Wow. Um, but there was a year pre-production before that wow. as regards getting everything everything sorted um but yeah then the the script like got selected for the dublin international screenplay competition and part of that prize was getting the pitch to five of the big production companies um and three of them came back and were really interested but the three of them said you can't make it for under a million and i was like cool are you gonna give me a million then and they were like no you need to go get the funding and then we'll you know come behind you um so then we tried every avenue you know we applied for for funding and uh, I called in every contact over the last 20 years, you know, trying to raise the money. And um, so we we ended up doing it very independently and we really went outside the box with how we raised the money and all the kind of stuff we did. But um, what's crazy then, the production company now, the distribution company, as you say, that's come on board. When we had the first meeting with them and they were like, we love it, we'd love to come on board, we're going to do a full cinema release. They were like, um, but we would like an executive producer to come on board. And they were like, if you have somebody you want to work with, happy days. But it's like, we can recommend people that we've worked with before that we love. And completely coincidentally, the guy that they recommended was the guy from that five pitches that I gave that was the most interested that I was back and forth about Dublin Cross. Now, they didn't know that. And he said his name and I was like, oh, no way. I was I pitched to him and we talked about it and they were like, oh, brilliant. So the minute they contacted him, he was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe you've made it. Yeah. And we had a meeting then with him there. And in these meetings, you know, they're always going to be enthusiastic about the film and all that. But like he genuinely loved it. Like he was quoting stuff back from it. And, you know, he was so passionate about it. So uh, it was great to see and, and such a coincidence that he was the same guy that yeah. I, I pitched, you know, but um. Yeah, it's been a it's been a long road. Learned it's been a, lot. a long road. I can yeah. imagine, huh? And uh, it's so. I think it's just one of those things where, like, the moment that this is your work, like you wrote something that you know, there is a little bit of a personal connection to it. Mm. Where I don't know if you felt that way, but like, did you feel like you had to defend certain? aspects to the piece of work because you're like no but like this is how it really is you know what i mean yeah i mean there's like, stuff there's stuff in that film that yeah. if i told you it was based on fact you'd be like fuck off oh. like but it is yeah you know so a lot of the stuff that's in there the stories and all that are stuff that actually happen um and then my problem like i i'm so visual mm. in life in general and you know i can write but i've had people who read the script and then saw the film and they were like, we, I, I never would have got that from the script to oh. what the film was. But see, that, like, that's part of my problem because I know visually exactly yeah. who's going to play it, how it's going to be, how this scene's going to transpire, mm. what way it's going to be. So I'm really like visual like that. And I'm actually, I'm not confident about much in life, but I'm really confident about 
uh, visual when I I know. Yeah, like this is how it's gonna be, and like uh, when I'll be there, I'll explain it. Exactly. You know, that's it. But that's not now a positive thing when you're trying (laughs) to pitch the script. (laughs) You know, and the script is fine. You know, but if you read it, I'd be reading it going, oh yeah. If I was reading it and I didn't know what was in my brain, I'd be like, Mm. it's just kind of reading flat. But anyway, um, yeah, there was. There was stuff in there, but I, I suppose the one of the compromises a lot of independent filmmakers have to make is if there's money men behind it, you have to answer to them. Mm. Whereas we didn't. So we didn't have to answer to anybody. And in that case, I went and made the film I wanted to make. Um, now, with these meetings, there has been suggestions made of stuff. And I have to be very open to that because it's a business, you know. I will pick my battles and if I feel something is worth fighting for, I will. But I will also take their opinions on board. Like there's one major change with the film that has been suggested. And when they first said it, it was like, it's like they slapped me in the face. I was like, how dare you say that about my baby? But then when I looked back, you know, (laughs) on neutral, I was like, I I completely understand why they are saying that, you know. Um, So it's it's these kind of things. You have to be open as a a filmmaker. Um, There's a lot to be said about you know, having directors cut. Um, uh, Robert Eggers, one of my favorite directors on Nortman, he lost director's cut on this, whereas he had it on The Witch and he had it on The Lighthouse and he didn't have it on this. And he said he doesn't care. He will never make another movie again if he doesn't have director's cut, if he doesn't have the final say. He's like, I, I'm done. I don't care. I'll walk away. I don't care about money, nothing. So for me, that's impressive, like to have that integrity because he they completely changed the ending. Well, first of all, he wanted it in um, Norse. He wanted the whole film uh, not in English. He wanted it subtitled because he's so accurate with his um, production values. Yeah. So, you know, in The Lighthouse, everything is so accurate. The Witch, everything is so accurate. So it killed him like to make these compromises and they changed the ending of the film and he fought. He, he actually said he had screaming matches, but he lost it. Um, so these are the kind of things you know you have to make a decision but then at the end of the day I know a lot of filmmakers are, are really stubborn and they won't change anything but then there's no point in having that integrity if nobody sees the fucking film because they're just like well see you later buddy you and know? it's also collaboration you yeah. know that's the thing it's like there's like you're bringing obviously you are bringing people on and all that kind mm. of stuff but like what's the fun in it if you're doing it by yourself and like if you're not fun to work with Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah, um, you know, movies and, and everything is a collaboration. And yeah. It's great when you get to work with a director that's open to collaborations. Mm. And sometimes you, you get them and there's no, this is it, you know, my words are gospel. You have to say them like this. Yeah. Um, uh, it's slightly different when you get to the business side of the film. Um, but at the same time, if somebody like these distributors have a track record of, you know, blown films up then of course I'm going to respect and listen to yeah, their opinion yeah let me learn exactly they're not just saying it just you know, but willy nilly just to like put you in your place like put it's it not in. all yeah. personal and yeah. in, the me- in the meeting actually one of the things he said he was like oh it's so refreshing to talk to a director that's um, he, he actually said this word that's not shouting at us and I was like <laughs> what and he was what? like 
because the suggestions he was making and stuff like he was like yeah. oh normally like they'd be like how fucking dare you say this mm. and I was like no like I'm gonna Go I'm gonna listen to you it doesn't yeah. mean I've said yes yet but <laughs> <laughs> you know you know like no say it no <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I'll say it in a nice way <laughs> I'll, I'll say no in a nice way yeah that's completely fair and it's so interesting I think also like just to touch on that's the last compliment I'm gonna feed you um <laughs> and the only one <laughs> the only one yeah yeah I haven't been complimenting you much I'm sorry I get awkward I'll kiss your arse so, yeah it's true yeah. So, like, I'm so bad at complimenting people it's really yeah, yeah. like shit like the amount of times that people go like oh you know like I'm 40 and I go alright cool you know and you see their face like, yeah, yeah. like go down Obviously, like, oh, you look so like young. you're supposed to say you look so someone once told me that they were like thir- in their mid 30s and I just carried on and she went I know I look young and I was like I didn't say anything <laughs> yeah yeah because you don't <laughs> you don't yeah yeah anyway. somebody yeah somebody asked me that I always go the opposite I'd be like yeah 70 and they're like, what? like <laughs> just make a joke yeah anyway. man I, like I don't do sweet talk whatsoever or small yeah. talk. Um, you like share a lot of your knowledge with people as well. Like uh, that's what I've seen on like your Instagram and whatnot. It's like a lot of people tag you in like thanks Baz for this help, like thanks for that. And I think that's quite an interesting characteristic to have yeah. when it comes to um, just doing things in the creative industry because a lot of people go like all right I've been fucked over so many times I'm gonna go alone you know when in reality the more that I I don't know you can attest to this but has sharing this knowledge helped you in the long run yeah definitely and like you know I do I always feel like uh, I have imposter syndrome you Mm -hmm. know like why am I in a position to be offering any advice? And, and you know, like I I teach uh, an acting course. It's called Direction. And uh, it's the same perception. I'm like, I'm teaching these people. Like, what gives me the right to teach these people? But it's just, you know, trying to correct any mistakes that I would have made. And, mm. you know, it's very practical. And this is the way the industry is. So I'm very knowledgeable about how the industry works. Mm. And I'm very knowledgeable of what you need to do to make it work and stuff like that. And then at the same time, I'm like, I'm I'm teaching them and preaching to them and I can't even book a fucking job. You know, <laughs> it's like I'm like yeah. you know, so it's the imposter syndrome. But like I <clears throat> I do like helping people wherever I can and I'm very like generous with my time. Uh if I feel like people are genuine and have a passion, um and it goes back to, you know, teaching the martial arts or I used to teach drums and all that, like I'm it's weird because like I have no patience in my real life. Mm. I have the worst patience and ADHD and all that. But when I'm teaching somebody, I have all the patience in the world and yeah. I never get frustrated with them. And, you know, if they're willing to learn. Now, I am the type of person that you get one chance with me. If you fuck me over or you're there for a different reason and all that, yeah. I will not entertain you again. And I like I'm a Scorpio. I'm really like, <laughs> I will cut you out. I, it's scary how easy I can cut people out. Oh, my life, yeah, you know? same. Yeah. Like, I, like, I basically like I'm you oh yeah <laughs> you know Twinsies. like I literally copy I am the coldest bitch ever yeah. fuck me over I'm stepping over your dead body yeah man. like literally I, like I'm ridiculous like, <laughs> like and it's, it's so, so scary how I can yeah. just like yeah, yeah see you later I don't care yeah hope you're listening over there oh that's me <laughs> I don't like it I like 
it's more just like a, it's a bullshit tolerance thing, but it's also a respect thing. It's like mm, yeah. I can I give people all the respect in the world, mm. you know, that like I can give them. Don't push me. Yeah. Like don't push me. Don't pit. And it's not even like don't piss me off. But it's like, what are the reasons here? Because I do think that uh, I'm not that type of person where like you can't talk to me or you can't say anything. I do think that I am a very good listener. But cut the bullshit, you yeah. know, like uh, take it elsewhere. Yeah. And uh, the moment that uh, like, I think when a lot of people feel like they are entitled to someone's time, mm. that's where I literally just like, I, I tell people I'm blocking them. I yeah. don't care. Yeah. You know, like the moment that they disrespect them, I'm like, by the way, this is the last time you're going to fucking hear for, like out, out. I'm the same. Yeah. Fucking. And like, I think um, virus that's what they are yeah some people mistake um, being nice with being weak mm. you know and uh, I have a switch like I will be nice and it's funny now though like in, in these times <laughs> if my my like old school friends hear somebody and they're like oh Baz is so lovely but they know me from like back in the day and like no he's not <laughs> you know? he's like I have I've definitely a Jekyll and Hyde, yeah. you know, I like, if I lose my temper, like, just mm. fucking get out of the way, like, yeah. you know, but it's, it's the same thing with time and I'll give all my time, but to a certain point, you know, because with a lot of people, you give them an inch, they take a mile, mm -hmm. you know, and you have to balance that and you have to balance your energy as well mm. because there's only so much you can, you can take on and I, I try to give back as much as I can, but it, it really does come from a place of, I hate all this, especially in this industry, like the, the bitchiness and, you know, this is our group and your group mm. and we hate them and all yeah, this kind of yeah. shit. You're not saving lives here, lads. <laughs> it's it's the arts. It's yeah. meant to be fun. I can never understand people showing up on set with all this drama and... Crabs like, in a bucket, man. It's like... Yeah, 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 yeah like, literally. I'm you know. down, you come down with me. Yeah. You know? The, well, and then there's that fucking dumbass that actually does go down with them and you're like, mate... <laughs> yeah, that's it. And there's there's always people looking to drag you, yeah, drag yeah, you down yeah. to their level. Um, and that's a real Irish thing as well. Like, um, but yeah, giving back and and teaching and, and like I love it, you know, and I love directing mm. and and you know I'd like to think I'm really open as a director. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm very confident in what mm. I know I needed to be. You know, um. And there's certain ways of, of talking to actors. And the great thing about being an actor director is I know how to talk to actors because mm. I've worked with so many directors who are not actor directors and actors are on the brink of their emotions <laughs> crumbling. And it just takes one word and any bit of self-confidence is out yeah. the window, you know, and you do the whole reverse psychology. Whereas if they do a take and it's not quite what you want, it'd be like, cool, we have that. That was brilliant. Now let's try this. And that, that's really, really what you want. Instead of going, that was shit. This is the way it needs to be done, you know. Um, <laughs> Trying to say a line with like tip fighting back here. <laughs> yeah, crumbling. Yeah. You know? yeah. Why did the chicken cross the road? <laughs> I've had it happen to me on a, on a big oh, yeah. network show, you know, a, a scary American shouty director not an actor's director and yeah. it is because you're already so fucking mm. anxious and nervous you know and it's really tough it doesn't to help it doesn't help at all no. um and yeah there's a certain way of just like you know but I, I work i do work well with, with 
with the actors um, because I know what it feels like, you yeah. know, um, exactly. and we do get it. But it is a collaboration, you know, so. It is. Yeah. I, I think it's like the moment that you find a good group of people. I think yeah. that's also a massive thing is finding the passionate ones, the ones mm. that have the heart, the ones that understand that you're going to have to do certain things that go above and beyond, you know, yeah. in order to get to like the the vision that you have in mind but also a little bit of cop on a little bit of common sense you know you yeah. need the nines and the tens yeah yeah and like I'm a really good judge of character I'd like mm. to think I am anyway I have a really good intuition about people normally mm. a couple of seconds and I'm normally never wrong it's just I don't know I've always been like that but I have to say like I have been shocked by some of the people that I have worked with like and brought into my own productions and mm. you know because we're so passionate and we want to we really do want to like build and take people along with us if you look at any of our productions you see the same people coming along with us and that's mm. that's the whole fucking point of our production company you know and working with people but I have been shocked along the way at some people's mentality and you know um, hearing stuff back after productions because everybody hears everything on the set and everything is said back to you and you might be so busy that you're in the production and all that mm. but you know people moaning and like you said common sense and cop on and um it frustrates the hell out of me because i am so passionate and i would do anything you know to make this happen and then people are being given an opportunity and all they can do is moan and bitch and bring drama and they're yeah. not there for the bigger picture you mm. know um yeah. Uh, it's it's really really frustrating when that happens, you know. And but the thing is, I will never work with them again, and they will be scratching their heads as to why. Because I could easily s approach them and say it to them, but then I look at it like, why why would I give them that lesson? So they now know to go and be a better person. Like you've already fucked me up. Why would I give you a tool to better yourself? You're done. I am you. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You're no, done. You know? It's so true. And it's like uh, I'm not going to be the one to tell you that. To because also, also, I don't know where I don't trust where you'll take it. Yeah. I don't know how you'll run with it. Yeah. What are you going to do? Screenshot it? Yeah. Like uh, I uh, spread the word. De Debbie said this. Oh, yeah. But in reality, Debbie said that. You'll be the asshole. Yeah. No matter yeah, yeah. what. You know? Exactly. So. Um, but that's the way I do genuinely mm -hmm. look at it like and it's funny because, you know, I've just completed a new script and I've had some of those people. Oh, you just done a new script is written for me. Mm. And I just laugh. <laughs> I like you've no idea. <laughs> I heard everything yeah. you were saying back. I I'll yeah. never work with you again, you know, oh. and that's the industry as a whole, especially yeah. in Ireland. Like the industry is so small. Mm. Everybody knows everybody. I can't tell you the amount of directors I've had contacted me going, and um, we shortlisted these actors. I know you worked with these. What do you think? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, no. Mm. That's how easy it is. And then they're wondering why they're not getting hired and vice versa. I've done it. Mm. You know, how'd you get on with them? Don't go near them. Mm. And I will take their, because I respect yeah. their decision, you know. Yeah. So if you're an asshole on one set, you're an asshole on them, on them all and you're in the wrong business. Yeah. Like I said, why would you not bring your your A game to Literally. whatever it is, you know. Not just A game, but also just be sound, man. Just be you sound. Know? Like, it's like, not that hard. It's really not that it's hard not to be sound. Hard. And then when, when we're dealing with, like, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not, it sounds really negative and all that, but when we're dealing with, you know, people texting you, 
and this sounds a bit pretentious, the director on the day of filming, you're filming and you're getting text messages and they're asking you um, what socks they should wear. It's just like, and then I realised that when I'm on a production and all that, uh, I realised like what a joy I am to work with because I would never <laughs> bother them. I make my own way there. I don't ask them what bus I need to get. I fucking show up. I know my lines. I, do, I don't complain. I go home. I do my job, yeah. which is the way it should be. But then when you see all these people that bring all this shit with them, <laughs> you're just like, oh, yeah. my God, why would That's I want to so work true. with you again? And the issue is that usually, not you or me, but like it's this type of person that overthinks and beats themselves up mm. when in reality it should be these guys that are beating themselves up yeah. about certain things, you know, um, it's it's just the way it is, man. It's just the way it's it is, you know, and it's it's, you know. One of the elements we t- we t- teach on the course is, you know, all these things of because <laughs> people, some people are just oblivious. They just yeah. don't realize, you know, yeah. and it's like, you know, don't be causing extra work for them. Facts or else like expect an invoice. Like that's a running <laughs> yeah. joke that I have, like with people now. It's yeah. like the moment that you're pushing me, it's like, do you want an invoice from me? Yeah. Like yeah. that's the next thing. Deb, what type of socks? Fuck you, 50 euros. <laughs> yeah. Wasted my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw this doctor recently because like, um, um, this is the last one and then we'll end it. Um, <laughs> I was looking at doctors that diagnose ADHD, right? Mm. Now, all of them in Dublin are fully booked except for this one lad. This one lad charges 30 euros for you to send him an email no reply is uh, fucking guaranteed. I'm like, all right. It's a good business model. <laughs> you imagine? Yeah. Fair, 30 euros. Fair play to him. 30 euros for me to email for him to email with him. no response. Wow. That guy's got it sussed. He has it sussed, but fuck you. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, because <laughs> I went looking in last year, um, you know, for a diagnosis or something. It was like four and a half grand or something to do the... Oh, man. The two days. It's, test. Uh, it's I was like, do you know crazy. What? I'll be okay. Uh, like, <laughs> you know what? That's something, because like, I do go back and forth with it a little bit. And I go like, do I want to be on the medication? Yeah, same. Yeah. And I'm like... I don't think so. Yeah. All I want is that validation, but maybe I should work on that own validation for myself. I'm the exact same because even if I got the diagnosis, I don't think I would take the medication. Yeah. I don't Unless like. I want an all-nighter, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get some work done. But like, yeah. we can go somewhere else for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, ADHD, I know there's different spectrums of it and stuff like that, yeah. but it's like, is it bad? having a creative brain that's busy mm. and you know getting shit done yeah it's, no like knows, i create knows, beautiful you know. shit you know yeah. like it's fine yeah thank you so much baz i really enjoyed this it was a pleasure cheers thank you and thank you everyone for watching and listening bye bye how long was that oh Jesus. my god yeah.